thank you from a deep part of my anatomy. No, that sounds weird. Thank you very much for clicking on that virtual button and uh, inviting the dulcet tones of my voice, Daniel Gardner, and the voices of others, namely Andy Enright and Scott Newman, because you have, you have invited three motoring people, car nuts, journalists, call us what you like. Um, this is Which Car Weekly. We talk about cars and quite frequently things that have nothing to do with that cars. Welcome again, gentlemen. Thank you. Thank you. It's a Lord, pleasure to be here. Yeah, well, it's a pleasure to have you virtually. And once again, hopefully, it will be a pleasure to have you actually uh, when, you know, hopefully things go in the right direction. Wherever you are in the world, I hope the uh, COVID-19 situation is going in the right direction. Um, because that means you can get out and start enjoying the great outdoors from within the safety of a car. Um, we'll be talking about that in coming weeks. Until then, we're staying very much in the virtual world, gentlemen. And uh, uh, over the last week, there was a reveal of a new car, a significant car, an eagerly awaited car, and it's had a few secrets revealed in advance. But we now have conversation that the M3 and M4 by a brand called BMW has a weird nose. Got a weird schnoz. Now, I refrain from saying ugly because, you know, beauty is the, in the eye of the beholder and vehicle styling is a very subjective thing. So what we want to talk about and get to the bottom, hopefully, is some consensus or opinion on whether we like it, whether it works, what is the new nose on the BMW M3 and M4 supposed to do? Panel and the floor is open. Andy, you go first. I must admit, when I first saw uh, the design studies, I hated it. I thought it was the most horrific thing ever. And I thought BMW had completely lost the plot. But then I, I thought that about the old Bangle cars, and they kind of grew on me. And now as time is passing, I think these M3 and M4 is growing on me. And I, I don't think it looks so bad once you put a number plate on the thing um, to break up all that space at the front. It is unusual, but BMW, then they've had a reputation for doing unusual things with styling and they tend to age quite well I think. I think you're 100% right in that yeah I mean we all remember the Fuhrer around the Bengal cars the seven the, the, the original seven series. Do you say the Fuhrer or the Furora? The Fuhrer. <laughs> Fuhrer. Oh, we all remember the Fuhrer. <laughs> I, remember the Fuhrer. <laughs> I don't remember him driving a Bengals seven series. Oh, remember um, the Fuhrer. Although maybe he came up with the original I drive I don't know. Um, so yeah, the original 7 Series still looks a bit of a minger, but, you know, the E65, yeah. E65 Series looks fantastic now. It looks so, And you look at it compared to an E39, it looks two decades ahead. Um, you know, original Z4 still looks great, all that sort of stuff. So yeah. I think bold design does tend to age well. Uh, I also think that the nose works a lot better on the M cars because it's not such a dominant feature. Obviously, they've blacked it out. Uh, it's got the you know, the, the, the pumped guards behind it and stuff like that. So it sort of minimizes it a little bit. Whereas on a regular four series, it's just quite skinny. It just looks like all nostril. Um, yeah. So I think it's not so bad. It's just, um, yeah, I mean, time will tell whether it ages well or badly, but I don't think, I think it works better on the M cars than it does on any of the other cars. Well, that's the question for me is, is, is that, is the M3, M4 the start of a design direction and a family likeness that will be applied to other models? Or is it going to be constrained and, and limited to the M3, M4? 
if it goes elsewhere, I agree with you, Scotty, it's going to look weird. It needs the muscular proportions of the M3, M4 behind it to really make all the proportions work. Um, if it goes on something a bit more slender, it's just going to be completely dominant and not work. If it's limited to the M3 and M4, regardless of whether you think it's ugly or not, I think it's a brilliant move because the M3 has always looked quite significantly different to the standard three series. Um, and in recent years, it's kind of been losing a bit of that potency and that, that um, distinction. You think of the early the E30 M3, it didn't, I, think, I think two panels on the whole of the E30 were the same as the standard E30s. And then you go into things like, you know, E46 M3, completely different grille, totally different um, bonnet, and the whole front bumper, it just looked wildly different. But then you get into E19, E92, you put a couple of those coupes next to each other, and you're like, mm, bolt in the bonnet, that's about it. So yeah. I think it's a wise move. Setting the M3 and M4 apart from the rest of the range is something, is a, is a nod to its heritage and history. Yeah, great. I don't mind the yeah I don't I don't mind the front too much but have you seen that optional uh, exhaust package? Oh gosh, with no. the three outlets it looks like in it, the middle. It looks, it looks like it needs what? to go to the doctor, doesn't it? Yeah, it's horrendous. It's going to struggle to sit. Bad. It's going to struggle to sit down. It needs to uh, you know do all its, eat all its meals standing up. Well, I'm glad I haven't seen it then because if anyone's listening and they haven't seen it, it, it I'm now going to ask you to describe it to me uh, without the. The visual medium. So, uh, so, so the standard M3 has got your traditional quad exhaust outlets. Very normal, you know. To each side. Yeah, exactly. Whereas this yeah. one, it does a new fascia, a new exhaust system. So it sort of groups them. You know how um, a Pagani wire has got the, like the, the quad cannon in the, in the middle? Yeah, cool. Well, extend that out into kind of a, uh, what am I thinking of? A, like a rhombus. Right. That, you know, so extend the, the bottom two out quite a long way and then extend the top two out a little bit so you get kind of the, uh, you know, like a triangle with a flat bit on top. There's a name for that shape and I can't remember it because I'm too old. Is um, it a frustrum? Yeah, something like that. So that's what it's <laughs> like. They've grew, and that's in the middle. That's a, it's like a big cluster in the middle of the uh, uh, rear, rear bumper. And you say yeah, it doesn't really work. Oh, it's mm. different. <laughs> Okay, yeah, all right. Is it going to grow on us? Like the grill, maybe? Like hemorrhoids. Um, yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. You both went to the same place, but a different condition. <laughs> you filthy, filthy people. Yeah, um, yeah I don't know, but... Uh, no, I can't see it. You're a disgrace. Anyway, um, we've talked about the styling. You know, we can finish up talking about the styling, but, you know, there's, still, there's so much more... You know, there's a lot to get through in terms of the engineering changes in this car. Go on then, yeah. take it away. Okay, so three litre straight six twin turbo, like the old car, but a new generation engine. Uh, it's even though the engine has only just come out in the X3 and X4M, it's the first evolution of it. Um, so they've fiddled with it a little bit. Uh, up to 375 kilowatts, 650 Newton meters. HP yeah, that's auto now. Um, there's still a manual, which is basically a carryover from the last car, but yeah, now it's an eight speed auto. Zero to 212.5 seconds for the comp or uh, rear-wheel drive. So that's pretty uh, pacey. Um, yeah, all-wheel drive now. Same system as the M5, basically, because apparently the system is perfect. Um, Who said uh, that? 
Mr. Flash, the boss of M. Of course. Um, Didn't he also say that I, I haven't seen any negative comments about the front end of this car? He did. did a proper <laughs> chemical alley job. Yeah. Um, clearly a man who doesn't read, doesn't read the comments on his social media, and we should all learn something from that. Um, the big thing, though, which is very interesting, which sort of jumped out at me when I was doing it, because the car, the car's quite, it's a bit bigger, a bit taller, a bit wider, as always, but it's a lot heavier. So a... So a base manual M4 for the F82 last generation was 1,497 kilos. Right. Not a base, bad. A base manual F8, a G82 M4 is 1,700 kilos. Whoa. That's the real drive or the four-wheel drive? Real drive. Whoa. So it's going to get even fatter when you put all-wheel drive in it. Exactly. Which is a bit, apparently about 70 kilos if you go for other models. Uh, yeah. You know, like for like is about 70 kilos. So... Um, so you an M3 an M3 competition all drive will be 1800 kilograms. That's... I don't think the prior model was ever that light in reality though. If you put some on some corner weights, I bet you. There's a couple of things about that. Yes, I think that's perhaps more a reflection of the inaccuracy of the last generation figures <laughs> than it is a reflection on the current generation figures. Uh, there's a sneaky little EU change that came in that. They used to be able to measure weights in the lightest possible specification. Um, right. Andreas Preuninger talked about this with the GT4. They're like, why is it 80 kilograms heavier? He's like, well, if you put the two next to each other, they're actually no heavier. But, you know, presumably they used to weigh one manual, manual seats, cloth seats, carbon brakes, yeah. Yeah. 18s. Whereas now apparently they have to give a quote for a representative weight. So I suspect it has gone up quite a bit. It's probably about... I don't know, 100 kilos, 120 kilos, but it's probably not the, you know, it's not the 180 to 200 that it might seem at first glance on the spec sheet. It's funny, I'm, I digress a little bit, but McLaren had a very similar policy with um, like performance testing, track testing their vehicles. They would only let you do these track tests if the car was in its absolute lightest possible guise. And like for a 720S or something, it would be like, you know, a, a a form that nobody would buy the car in. Yeah. No air conditioning, <laughs> no stereo, no windows, seat or whatever. Yeah. So in effect, it was like, well, we can we can performance test the car, but you can't because the car you need doesn't exist. So sorry. Yeah. <laughs> That's all we need now is Top Gear to weigh in with their fabulous budget and do exactly what they don't expect. <laughs> Just yeah. spec one, buy it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, but it is yeah, the budget. Uh, it'll be a very different. Uh, it'll be a very different M car in some respects because I'm kind of expecting it to be a baby M5. Like I think we've we all driven the M5. It'll be, um, yeah. you know, the the X drive system is literally a straight lift. Um, obviously, the engine is different, but it's similar in its characteristics. I would have thought. You know, lots of torque. Yeah. Still revs okay. It, BMW does BMW does BMW steering. They all kind of feel the same. Blah 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 blah. So. That's what I'm yeah, kind I've of driven expecting. that engine in the um, X4M. It's a phenomenal unit. It yeah. Really is. Shifts. It's yeah, the, the idea of that engine with, you know, another 50 newton metres now and minus yeah. what, 400 kilos or 300 kilos, it's going to be a uh, performance will be vivid. It's lucky that, for, well, it's good, lucky for your sakes and pretty much everyone, if, you, if you're a fan of BMW, that they have the M2 because... Without that car, can you imagine how bitter and and um, <laughs> seething fans would be that the, the three series, four series has got so fat and heavy and big? 
if it didn't have that beautiful lightweight M2 to come in and kind of start doing the job that the M3 used to do, people would just be losing their minds, myself included, and you'd have to tolerate me. You say lightweight, yeah, think- an M2 CS is 1,580 kilos or something? I'm but surprised I, I to hear that. You, I bet if you put that new M3 next to an E39 M5, it would be a, a bigger and heavier thing. Yes. Take I, think they're almost, the I think they're almost identical in yeah. you know, dimension. Um, but it's so funny you should mention M2. Uh, I, I cut you off, Andy. Sorry, but uh, one quick tidbit. Apparently, um, I was looking at some of the UK guys chatting about it, and apparently 1%, so the, the manual's not going to the UK, whereas it's coming to Australia. Um, oh, surprising. Uh, because apparently 1% of previous M3, M4 was spec with a manual, but 50% of M2 sales in the UK are manual, which suggests wow. that all the old school, it kind of suggests BMW know what, knows what it's doing really because all the people who want a manual and they yeah. are just buying an M2 and they're getting a different kind of customer then in an M3, M4. Which once again solidifies that point. Yeah, there comes a point when these cars are just practically too quick for a manual gearbox. Mm. Um, I think you're right on the cusp of it with a with an M2, with an M3. It's just going to be silly. You're just going to be grabbing gears like an idiot. It's and I cannot know. wait to find out what that feels like. Yeah, I mean, I'm familiar familiar with the uh, the sensation in virtually every other car grabbing gears like an idiot. But uh, chalk up the M3 and M4 as well. Um, I just want the wagon to turn up. Yeah, oh, no, that's going to be. If, oh, you can be certain that we will discuss that ad nauseum uh, in the future when we've got a chance to to put the fine tooth comb over that coming. Um, time to move on, gentlemen. Now we've been discussing over the last couple of days uh, a novel concept. Occasionally, we put um, a challenge out to our team, and we say, for a specific budget, come up with a suggestion of a particular car that has to do a particular job, and it always, always throws up brilliant results and really interesting um, suggestions. And we thought this was a great talking point. So we're going to pick it up here. The, the challenge is $15,000, but what exactly does it have to buy? Uh, Andy, I think you're probably the best one to take this. Oh, that is a very, very good question. Um, I, ha- I had a fairly sensible one for, for mine. Um, Hang on, so this, so this is, it's got to be a performance so you're 15 yeah. grand to spend, and what has it got to buy? I went for a car that is close to your heart, Dan, for, for oh, my wow. fairly sensible pick. Okay. Um, and it was an i30 SR. You remember those, don't you? Mm. The two-litre version or the 1.6 turbo? It's a 1.6 turbo. Um, yeah. Oh, right. Okay, I've yeah. Just, I love that thing. I've, I've just seen pricing. Yeah, I've seen high-mileage high ones going for around 15. Um, and uh, they're 150 kilowatts in standard guys. And you can get a, five, they come with a five-year warranty. So if you pick up a 2017 one, you've still got two years of your warranty left. So you could roll around in that for a couple of years. And um, then you can put like a THR power port plug and play chip. And that gives you another 30 odd and change. So oh, that's you know, right. you've, got, you've got a 180 kilowatt car with CarPlay, Android Auto, SatNav, all the safety. Um, it's a complete That's really sleeper. good. No, no one will see it coming. You've got this baby i30N. Can you get a manual? Um, I like that. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah, you can. I and can't that sell one, 
Be right back. Like the i30 and that has the uh, independent rear suspension. So yes. it's, a, it's a cracking bit of kit on the road as well. You wouldn't have to do anything for it to be um, to handle power. That's, that's a nice one. I like it. Perhaps a little bit too sensible, but we're going to go around and do another round of we lost our mind suggestions in a bit. Um, surprised you can, you can pick one up for that cash. Um, that's, but I suppose they weren't ever that much new, were they really? Well, they retail for about sort of 30 grand. Yeah. Yeah, that's inter- it is interesting. I'm I'm surprised they've come down that much as well. But I suppose they sell so many of them that um, yeah, you know, you, you, really you've got a car. large field to choose from. The modern day version, of course, the the N line now. Um, do you, I'll, I'll go next. I'll go okay, next. you go. Uh, next. Both of my suggestions were stupid. Um, because that's just, I mean, you're used to it by now. I wanted to say something like, obviously, I'd go for um, an E36 BMW, not the big, you know, obnoxious six-cylinder. Also, I'd go something four-cylinder. And then to bring the power up, I'd probably do, you know, supercharger or something. <laughs> Maybe lower it with, with what? What's funny about that? You'd have to be a complete and utter moron to ever do that down that path, Daniel. <laughs> so you have to be have taken that. complete leave of one's senses. Yeah, exactly. So I'm not <laughs> going to go for that. Um, this, okay, you're going to love this, right? So uh, uh, the other way my mind went was um, you can get a pretty tidy Mark V Golf GTI for that money, and you wouldn't need to do a lot to that for it to be fun. So Mark V obviously is when they're starting to become genuinely good GTIs again. Mm-hmm. Um, love that car, manual also. Uh, but that was a bit dumb. So I, w- I had another idea. Mini Cooper D. Oh, oh you like the D. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, so I can drive around in a car that's right. called the D. And everyone can just say, Dan, he loves the D or whatever. Anyway, it, but it's genius because... It's a trend at the moment. Everyone loves tuning diesels, don't they? You look in the, the US, they're going nuts with diesels. So I'd get my little Mini Cooper D, which you pick up one, there's a couple on, uh, on the internet at the moment for about 10 grand. What could I do to the engine of a Mini Cooper D with $5,000? You don't need to do much to the chassis to make them handle well, because it's a Mini. It looks cool. Um, so I reckon I could whip that little 1.6 turbo diesel up to about a billion Newton meters and have a tire-destroying absolutely full of charisma little car um, that would just belch black smoke everywhere. I have some things to say about this. Good. That's what this podcast is about. Continue. One, uh, I have, I have uh, experience of the Mini Cooper D because when I first started, it was only a few months into my career as a journo. We went and did a Mr. Ponchard, Nathan Ponchard and I, we went and did an advanced driving course just, you know, to try and upskill and yada, yada, yada. Uh, we happened to get a VE2 Redline manual, which was bloody lovely, I tell you. And then yeah. uh, the only other car that happened to be in the park car park that week was a Mini Cooper D automatic. Um, oh, never mind. But it wasn't as bad necessarily as you think. It still went around winter and okay, but wasn't very fast. But the other thing was, I reject your idea, Dan, because I happened to stumble across a video the other day on YouTube of uh, compilation of tuned diesels. And I thought this would be a bit interesting. And it was the most bloody lame, god awful, boring thing I've ever seen. People having like rev battles in oh, a no. turbo diesel. People doing burnouts, and there was more black smoke coming out of the exhaust than there was white smoke coming <laughs> off the tyres. So you'll go, you'll, you'll chip your diesel, mini diesel, and they'll go, oh, that's a nice looking mini diesel. And you'll take off and just 
you know, give everybody within the three block radius lung cancer from you spewing nitrogen oxides everywhere. I have to call you sooty. Yeah, the, the, axle, called sooty. the axle tramping will be picked up on oscilloscopes in Japan. <laughs> that's, right. that's right. That's right. You'll be going like this because of the axle tramp, and then you'll be you'll look like a coal miner from you know the deepest stars and darkest I, Russia. That is oh, you that great absolutely. idea. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. That was kind of met with this, the reception I was expecting. You do better than human. Well, smooth segue. Speaking of VE two red lines. Um, <laughs> oh. So I happened you to found. I actually happened to find this. Yeah, that's how sad I am. Before this thing came up, I was searching through the the other day, and for fifty, there is one for fifteen grand on car sales at the moment, a VE two Redline manual sport wagon. That's a good oh, car. Wow. Uh, Get quite it. High, what are you doing quite, here? Go and buy it. Quite high K. It's about one seventy five thousand. That's got a few nicks and dents, I think, as you'd expect. Nothing for that. But you know, red lines, so Brembo brakes, FE three suspension, manual wagon. Um, what more do you want? Okay, that's cool. That's all right. Yeah, I'm. For those who don't have the benefit of video, nodding. I mean, it's no tuned mini diesel, but you know. We'll, is it a police shut car? Up. It's a <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's yeah, real it's it's got blood and vomit on the back seats and uh, a weird smell, but otherwise it's a complete bargain, Scott. <laughs> that's right. Well, you know, nothing, I, I, that's, nothing that's not going to happen in it anyway. So. I had something along those lines um, that's not quite so sensible. And it, this comes from a car my dad had. He had um, a Mercedes CLK 55 AMG. Ooh, and, uh, yeah, I found one of these for 15 grand. And I'd like to spec it like my dad. See, when he picked it up, he complained that the um, stability control wasn't working properly and it was just stopping the car all the time, almost to a standstill. And then I looked at his tyres and they were some Chinese tyres called like Heroic <laughs> Annihilators or something <laughs> um, that were made of Bakelite. And so every time he tickled the accelerator, it, it will spun. Um, <laughs> but the trick was just to... Just to um, cripple the uh, traction control system. And uh, that way it just uh, goes sideways at like four kilometers an hour. Mm. <laughs> Brilliant. Nice function, you know. Hilariously under traction those cars. Engine. <laughs> yeah, but okay, uh, forgive me for, for stating the blatantly bloody obvious. Uh, a 15 grand AMG, you're gonna spend approximately the same money again on it every year just to stop yeah, it bursting into flames. The one that I saw had done 305,000 kilometers. Ooh. So it drank 82,350 liters of fuel, which is 132 <laughs> grand's worth of fuel it's done. I didn't say oh this God, was going to be That's fantastic math, Sandy. I love it. That reminds me of Dear Mr. McCarthy, formerly of the parish of Mercedes-Benz, who has a banana yellow CLK yeah. 60, I can't remember if he's a 63 or 50, I think he's a 63. Um, yeah, very yeah. cool car. One of only like three that came to the country, I think, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that, that, that paint job probably would have been 15 grand a little in the car, so yeah. Yeah, super cool. And, and can you think of a more perfect car for David McCarthy? That's right. Um, all right, well, I'm going to weigh in with my second option, and I'm very happy to say it's no more sensible than the first one. In fact, about twice as stupid. Jeep. Mm. Renegade. <laughs> uh. All right, bear with me here. This is my theory. Right. Jeep Renegade, not known for its performance potential. I'll give you that. However, 
The Jeep Renegade is based on the same platform as the Fiat 500X. The Fiat 500X has some things in common with the Fiat 500, which has got some things in common with its performance cousin, the Abarth 959. Okay. So I'm going to modify a Jeep Renegade with as many bits as I can transfer over from an Abarth either 595, 695, maybe a Biposto, if I can find a cheap dog box, yep. dog box somewhere. Yep. Um, and I'm going to turn a Jeep Renegade into a road performance car. I'm talking dumping it on its axle. So it's actually the ride height of a performance car, not a full drive anymore. Um, For 15 grand. Okay, well, there's going to have to be a few long nights in my workshop. Right? <laughs> you know, there's, there's, a, there's a bit of my own labour I'm putting into this. And some okay. festivals. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and yes, yes. So I'm probably going to start with two uh, wreckers yard vehicles. <laughs> And pull the best parts from both. Um, okay. I think the result will be quite spectacular. Quite well, it'll fun. be a good YouTube series, if nothing else. <laughs> secretly, everyone knows I secretly love the Jeep Renegade. Um, it's a funky looking uh, thing. I, I like the Jeep Renegade too. It's, yeah. I've never driven one though, so I don't know if it's more style than substance, but. Um, yeah, uh, it's, it's a decent thing. Honestly, it's a decent thing. Um, I, the thing I can't explain, and this is bad given my line of work, is why I really, really dislike the Fiat 500X, but I love the Renegade, when effectively they drive the same and they are mechanically almost identical. There's something about getting into a car that looks like a blistered foot, yeah, uh, yeah. And, or getting into a car that looks like a Renegade, and, and I don't know that you, you can forgive it more for its kind of looks. It looks yes. sort of um, utilitarian. Yeah, the 500X is one of the most like malformed carbuncles on the road today. <laughs> I know, bless it. Uh, you know, when the 500, which is supposed to be related to, is such a cutie. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's what happens when you, it's like a, yeah, it's like a sweet, cute little thing that then lives on McDonald's for the next three years, <laughs> becomes its own yeah, episode exactly. of Super Size Me. Um, I, I was actually struggling for a silly one, but then I've just had a, a brainwave. So if you're looking for a rear wheel drive manual, you know, sporty cars under 15 grand, there's not a whole lot around. I mean, there's, there's lots of Commodores and Falcons, which are great, but if you want something a bit more agile, it's difficult. The one exception to that rule is there are lots and lots of RX eights. Oh, but okay. I don't want a rotary. Um, because oh no, you're not going to do one of those bloody V8 conversions into yeah, no, 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 and because of that, you're going to do it for me. (laughs) (laughs) So, if I can get one for like 12, I reckon I can barter my way into an LS2, even an LS1 for, for, for you know the remaining three grand. Come around to Dan's house, buy him a case of whatever case of tea and um there we go bob's <laughs> your uncle i've got beautiful beautiful uh 50 50 handling balance you've got the suicide doors a four seater but you are not going to have 50 50 weight distribution if you put a v8 in an rx sorry i'm a long way back in those cars Why not? huge um bell ls1's because... a light mate ls1's way yeah. less than a 13b oh and absolute LS1... horse dung and, and no, then, when you dress up yeah. the 13B, it's heavy with all the... All the an LS1 is lighter than an SR20. All right. All right. As the man in the orthotic shoes said, I stand corrected on this occasion. <laughs> uh, well, at least, at least I read it on the internet, so it must be true. But um, first, you'd, have to, you'd probably have to find an RX-8 like with 
that's got no compression in its engine and it has well that shouldn't be too on. difficult not difficult <laughs> you never do that <laughs> It'd be harder of finding one with compression in its engine. Uh, for a friend oh, of mine. Sorry, um, we're going to get Dale, angry notice from odory people now. Dale Lomas um, over at the Nurburgring. He uh, he bought an RX8 one time. He, he spent like ages justifying his purchase ahead of buying it, saying it was going to be the perfect car for the Nurburgring. He'd be like, no, it's, it's going to blow up. And I think he had it about a month and it blew up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there was a guy in a rotary. Guys uh, entered a rotary into Drag Challenge this year. Obviously, um, Street Machine magazine uh, runs the, the Drag Challenge every year. And they, they said at the award ceremony, he, the guy won his class of um, four cylinders and rotaries. And they said of all the years they've been running Drag Challenge and all the rotaries that have attended and competed, one has never failed. So, you know, well-maintained in, in the right context. Rotaries are good. And anyway, we're not going to get letters from people who love rotaries because I'm the advocate for them on this, day, on this occasion. And I'm saying it would be a crime to take the rotary out of any mass. Speaking oh, of crimes, that is my segue into our next chat topic. Things that are illegal in cars. Now, the reason I'd like to raise this is because um, there are a number of rules that apply to both uh, roads in Australia and around the world that uh, prevent you from doing certain things in your car. Um, we're familiar with many of them, hopefully all of them as good drivers and motor journalists, but there are a number that I'd like to raise with you that I don't think should be illegal. And the first one, and I'm doing this deliberately to uh, raise eyebrows and start dialogue, is drinking and driving. Wait, wait. I don't mean, of course, I'm not endorsing or advocating driving under the influence of an illegal amount of alcohol that is in control of a motor vehicle with a blood alcohol volume of greater than 0.05. I am talking about literally driving along and having a drink. And here's my argument. I can stand next to my car outside right now, skull and get in and drive completely legally because I won't be over the limit with one tin of beer. But what's illegal in Australia is to consume that can sensibly and at a sensible rate while driving. Why is my question? Is this alcohol or any drink? No, it's alcohol. I'm oh, saying right. you can stand next to a car with yeah. a group of mates after work, drink a tinny, and then jump in and drive home because you're not over the limit, assuming yes. you are not over the limit. Let's make that very clear. But if I get in the car and finish the last drop of that can or start it, for example, that's breaking the law. Why is it uh, illegal and in in deemed so if I'm not consuming an illegal amount of alcohol? I don't know. You can get away with anything in the UK, can't you? Um, I, th yes. I think you could, you, could, you could drive along squigging from a bottle of vodka or something. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, here it's a little bit different. Yeah. I'm, I haven't got an answer for that one, Dan. Um, I mean, You're not a big drinker, Scotty, I know. So you're just no, going to tell not. me to just calm it down, aren't you? Well, you know, um, no, no, I sort of, I see, I see your point. Um, but... Does it cause you a lot of angst? Well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, well, I just think, you know, cruising home after work and having, I, I know a lot of people do it. In fact, you drive through a bottle shop, drive through a bottle shop, and they have, you ever seen them, you go, Scott, you wouldn't know. It's, you know, it's like, it's like a church to you. You don't go near the places. <laughs> um, you drive in a drive through bottle shop, and they've got a little esky there for just a one, you know what I mean? Like a traveler. Oh, really? You actually buy a traveler. So they're kind of encouraging yeah. it, but it's illegal. So a lot of people do it, and I just, I should imagine it's one of the most pleasant things you could do after a hard day at work, cruising home, 
you know, some people have a Red Bull or a cup of tea or a coffee or whatever. You know, I think it'd be nice to have a beer. Here's another pour, stranger. Pour yourself a glass of wine, just, you know. Yes. Uh, okay. Well, none of us have an answer as to exactly why it's deemed illegal. If you're listening and you do know the answer, get in touch with us. Bitchcar.com.au, you can find all of our social channels there and drop us a line and let us know if, if you know why that is seen as a terrible, irresponsible killer the of children. Is, if, thing to do. if you turned up at your drive through bottle shop and went to pay with your phone, that's $534 fine and five <laughs> demerit points. <laughs> that's a very you went good in with a license exactly. and came out yeah. with that one. Pay with your it's phone, crazy. illegal. Yes. <laughs> I wasn't even drunk. <laughs> All right. What about this then? Apparently in Australia, reversing for too long. Illegal. Well, how long is too long? Well, I mean, this is always the problem with these laws, isn't it? It's, you know, discretionary. So, uh, you know, if, what, what about if all of my Ford gears have failed and the only way I'm going to get home is with a bit of deft reversing? Well, there's Illegal, surely, it's, you know, if, there's not a, if there's not a specific time limit attached, then surely... Context is everything. Um, you know, if I'm in in that case, I don't think any distance would be too too long because you need to get home, and that's the only option available to you. If say you're, you know, what if I live in Tasmania? Mm, yeah, what's how we drive around in Tasmania? Well, then you know, I'd have to re reverse. On <laughs> Easily confused. Yeah, we have All we right, have six sorry, uh, six on. reverse gears and one forward one in Tasmania. <laughs> it's because we've got. Did you know that you can't you can't cross train tracks in New South Wales um, if you've got paint in your car because it's a, a flammable, explosive, or dangerous good. Um, I, don't, I don't know if who framed that law, but did they know that you're carrying around a huge uh, hopper of petrol? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that paint would be highly explosive. I didn't think about that. <laughs> yeah. Um, Okay, how about this then? Okay. Um, it's illegal, uh, I think in Queensland, perhaps other states, to leave your car unlocked. Oh, I mean, yeah. But why? I mean, like, surely if, if I'm stupid enough to do that and someone steals or does something stupid to my car, then I've only got myself to blame and it's not going to harm anyone else. Is it? So why, why exactly is that? I the think really it's good to one... do with cutting crime figures. Yeah, the really good one oh, would be right. um, if you had a convertible, because presumably it's not illegal to leave the top down when parked. So you could leave it down and have it a completely open car, but as long as it's locked, that's okay. And the windows are up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 the windows are up. The one I don't get is um, parts of the body outside the car. Like, you know, I, yeah, I get it. One. But like, you know, if I'm trying to drive like Ace Ventura um, with a smashed windscreen, I can kind of understand it. But, you know, that's one of the great joys of life is to have your, your arm out the window on a hot summer's day and pretend you've got a spoiler and stuff like that. And... Um, you know, porpoising, yeah. And, and how are motorcyclists allowed to get away with it? Their their entire body is outside the vehicle. Well, that's not bloody fair, is it? No, it's not. And I mean, does it, is it canines as well? Because imagine how sad all the doggies would be if they weren't allowed to stick their head out the window. Yeah, it's one of the I, most glorious sights. I think it's a gross um, imposition on my personal freedoms that you can't carry more than fifty kilograms of potatoes in Western <laughs> Australia. <laughs> that's gone. That's a $2,000 fine. $5,000 on the second occasion. And that's actually not many potatoes. You know what I mean? Well, that's a couple that's, of that's sacks. Really buds. A couple of decent sacks, surely? Yes. Especially if you're living on one of those stations, you know, out in Western Australia that's the size of Belgium. Yeah. Like you'd, you'd buy your potatoes in 60, gram, 60 kilograms at a time, wouldn't you? 
Someone hasn't thought this through. Yeah, well, just that's sensible. So you don't want to be making that's too many trips to the shops for that kind of for, for your staples. No, I don't know how many staples you get through? A lot of did lot you, of did, filing. Did you know, Dan? I'm sure. I'm sure that Scotty will know this. But in New South Wales, <laughs> an offence to splash people um, with your car. Yes. Yeah, I did know this. But only if they're waiting for a bus. Oh. If they're oh, not waiting for a bus, game on. Oh, <laughs> that's good. I, I'm the wrong person to ask on this because I was a, I was a young chap with a, one of my best mates in the car as well. And uh, we're in an FPV GTR spec. Very inconspicuous vehicle. Uh, especially if you're, <laughs> if you're uh, you know, uh, 20, what was I, 25 years old at the time. Two 25-year-old oh, young men yeah. in, a, uh, in an FPV GTR spec. And I did a... I did a U-turn in the set of traffic lights, which is perfectly normal, but that's illegal in New South Wales. Oh. Well, it was on an arrow. Like, a, you know, a, 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 you could turn right on the arrow, but instead I just did a U-turn because I needed to go back the other way. But no, there's a police... And I didn't in full view of a policeman because I had, I had no idea it was illegal. And then he uh, read me the... Oh, as a motoring journalist, I would have thought that you would be familiar with all the road rules in Australia. Oh, no. Yeah. All right. Whatever. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, sir. Sorry. Well, it, and then it, I get a becomes... massive power skid to get, like, get out of there. <laughs> <laughs> well, what do you know? After all that, it, it would appear uh, three motor journalists do not know all of the road rules. I've learned something there, um, particularly Andy's enlightening potato rule there. Um, I hope in some small way we've educated you and made your life a little bit easier and safer on the road. Um, and if not, if not so, then I'm not going to lose any sleep over it, I'll be completely honest. Gentlemen, thank you so much for, for joining in the chat again. Um, it's uh, it's a lovely evening out there. Uh, don't go out and enjoy it. Um, let's do this all again very soon. Thank you for listening to another installment of Witchcar Weekly. Until next time, stay safe and chat to you soon. Bye. Very good. Splendid.